What's up, guys? Welcome back to Out Looking In. As always, I'm your host, Noah Simpson, and I'm here to help inspire and open future ideas for teens. Today, I'm joined by Luca Huff, one of the founding members of a young independent filmmaking group, 1716 Digital, who have made a name for themselves on many different platforms. And as always, make sure to hit that download button if you enjoyed. It'd be much appreciative. All right, enjoy. So we actually tried to record this episode yesterday, but you were you said you were uh, on a call for a local film and they needed a prop run. Yeah, sorry, but yeah, that's pretty cool. That is that's pretty sweet. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, no. Um, so here where I go to university, uh, University of North Carolina School of the Arts, I'm part of a, a film major program where we, um, as first year and second year students, are actually required to get art department hours working for various independent films here at the university and around, uh, you know, the town. And it's pretty cool, actually. Yeah. Wow, that's pretty sweet. And you, you go to North Carolina. That's that's so cool. I used to, um, as a kid, I used to always go there. And it's beautiful. Oh, really? That's actually really cool that you uh, that you go there. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, I really love the state, and I'm from Virginia originally, mm-hmm. Central Virginia. So honestly, geographically and like climate wise, it's pretty pretty similar. So I'm pretty happy with it. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, but going going on to your actual uh, filmmaking, um, when did you guys start this? How did how did you get into this? So um, originally, I was making films at my middle school. Um, and I made a little film club there with some close friends and it sort of became, it went from like a little hobby to like almost a full blown obsession, if you will, because frankly, I just, I just wanted to constantly be telling stories and and making films and, and meeting new people to be in those films. And, and so I think a lot of the other current members of 1716 are actually kind of in a similar boat where we all just sort of found each other, uh, in, in high school, but we all kind of had our own origins, if that makes sense. Was it, it was a hobby at the beginning, would you say, right? Yeah. Oh, for sure. And it wasn't very like, I mean, we were, I was taking it seriously. I don't feel like the people around me were always the most serious, mm-hmm. but then that's kind of what drove me to find people who found it more, you know, took it right. more seriously. And, right. and I'm sure plenty right. of teen filmmakers can kind of, you know, relate to that because frankly, a lot of people are looking to do stuff like that as, as a hobby. You know, it's not a career yet. You're, you're what, 14 and you're looking to, you know, yeah. make the next blockbuster. That's not exactly yeah. realistic and you're not going to find yeah. any professionals your age. No, totally. Yeah. Was there uh, was there any inspiration behind, uh, was there someone or a movie or director? Was there, was there something like that? I'd say um, a big influence for me in that part of my life was my stepdad at the time. Uh, mm. He had been a guitarist and a software developer, and he helped me learn guitar, and, and he got me into art. And he really you know, kind of influenced me around that kind of preteen and then early teen years to, to just pursue what I loved and you know, find a passion in art. Wow. So I want to ask, when did it start becoming like actually like this was a real deal? Because I've seen you guys. Well, I found you guys on TikTok. And I saw you guys have a yeah. huge name on there now, like blew my mind. And actually, this funny story, um, Hudson, if she's listening, I was in class and I was talking about that I was having you guys on and uh, and she was like, oh, I saw their video the other day and she just thought it was so cool <laughs> that I was having you guys on because yeah, you guys are like a big name on TikTok. So when did, wow, when yeah. did, it, when did that start blowing up? Um, well, that's a funny story because me and uh, my best friend, Sam, uh, were, we were producing and we had just wrapped up shooting for, uh, about a, a featurette project called Along Came the Dark, which was Long last January ish when that came out. Um, and we were just sitting around and we were like, man, I, I really wish people would actually watch our stuff. Cause <laughs> at that point, our YouTube channel was getting like, you know, a few hundred 
views of a movie, but each movie right. we'd spend like six months making. So it just felt, you know, I kind of, kind of, it kind of hurt. But mm-hmm. um, me and Sam were like, you know, we really want to get, you know, some, some traction on these. Um, and so my best friend, uh, Chris Kelly, who had been, who had been blowing up on TikTok for, for singing and for doing all these, you know, stuff with his band, he reached out to me and he said, Luca, you know, there are some filmmakers on TikTok that are making horrible content that are getting huge, like followings. Like you need to get your stuff on there, bro. You could yeah. do better. And I was like, wow, that means a lot, but we'll see. Cause I didn't really know what to expect out of the platform. I just didn't, it didn't have the best reputation in my head, but, um, I jumped on it. I did some promotional stuff with Sam and we were actually shooting our like 1000 follower special, if you will, which doesn't sound like anything right now, but, um, we were shooting that and we had shot some other content and we put it out there and we were just sort of like, we we're being kind of pessimistic about it. Like, Oh, it's nothing's going to happen. And, mm-hmm. and it just blew up overnight. And we went from, shooting our 1000 follower special to our 20,000 follower special to our 100,000 to now 200,000 280,000 yeah wow it's crazy those numbers I, i'm gonna say i don't even understand the tiktok algorithm like i'm on tiktok for my podcast i definitely mm-hmm. need to upload more like i know you guys have uploaded a ton on there but yeah i don't right. even understand the algorithm but it's definitely it's so cool i now i love tiktok because how how much people can just you know blow up on it yeah, exactly. And and that's one of those things where like, I don't think I even understand the algorithm. Mm-hmm. I just kind of have been, I started putting out content that I, I really liked and it, it kind of allowed me to realize like, oh, this is what other people like and this is mm-hmm. what it, what'll catch your attention. And our demographic is certainly teenagers. Um, it's interesting who is interested in film and who is interested in just like us as teens messing around, you know, because mm-hmm. there really are two separate audiences of like, how you say amateur teen filmmakers versus like people that are actually interested in cinema. And those it's kind of a Venn diagram because those kind of demographics often, you know, uh, overlap, but at the same time, we're also hitting several different audiences at once, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. No, I understand that. Uh, I personally, I love whenever you guys have like a behind the scenes type of thing, mm-hmm. whenever you guys are recording, oh, I'd love that. I thought that was, that's the first time I saw it. I was like, Oh, so cool. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, so you guys just released on Halloween Water Under the Bridge film. So I haven't seen it yeah. yet. I'll say that. I was trying to, but I haven't haven't seen it yet. I didn't get the chance to. I feel bad, but I did see no the trailer and blew my mind. I watched it with actually my all my entire family. I loved it. Wow. And awesome. you know, you know, you know what was like the turning point in it is whenever uh I'm not sure who it was, but he shot the guy. And he fell yeah. to the ground and the music started, the soundtrack started going. <laughs> yeah. So good. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, I I love that. And the soundtrack to that was so good as well. So anyone out there who hasn't seen the trailer yet, please go check it out. It it really Thank did you. blow my mind. It was really yeah. amazing. Yeah. Great. I'm glad. Yeah, of course. Uh, how many films have you guys made? Um, so personally, I've kind of at this point written, directed, and produced probably about 20, 25 narrative films. Um, now, of course, that is a varying length and quality, of course. Like, I, I still sort of count the ones I made when I first got to high school. And, and I, those when I made my first features. So to be mm-hmm. fair, those still do count in the back of my head. Um, of course, they're nothing compared to what I make nowadays. And I'm sure in a few years, what I make nowadays will be nothing compared to, you know. But that's all, you know, a part of just growing and, and developing as a, as a filmmaker and as an artist and as a person, I think. Because you're always striving to just be better than you are now at least that's how i look at it um and and 
that can be a little self-destructive at times and you can be kind of hard on yourself. And I find myself an extremely self-critical person, which can be toxic. But at the same time, you have to kind of acknowledge that like this is a competitive field and and you're making things that people want to see. And like, I don't know, I always find it hard to, um, you know, just identify exactly what I'm trying to to strive for because um, I just want it to be better than what I'm doing now, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. No, I understand that. But I, I'm going to be honest, I have so much respect for you. Like the dedication it takes that. to be able to take so much time to film and record <laughs> blows my, like that, the amount of dedication it is. So I, I'm in media arts right now. So I'm getting a little bit of behind the scenes of what it takes to even record stuff. And I just, right. like, oh, it's so crazy. I've, the amount of respect yeah. I have, you know, it's like, Thank you. It's definitely not. That means a lot, man. Yeah, and how long? It's, how long yeah. would you say it takes to uh, like record a film? That's a great question, man. Because frankly, there have been situations where we turn out like um, I'd spend a few months in pre-production, writing and planning and doing mm-hmm. all this sort of stuff for a two-day shoot that ends up with a twenty-minute movie. Um, and of course, that's a best-case scenario. That's, for example, that one film I'm referencing is a film of mine called safe house where it was one location, three actors, very simple contained thriller. Mm-hmm. Um, but for something like water under the bridge, what we just released that was um, three very, very hard months of principal photography oh, in man. which we shot probably about like, well, once like every two days we'd probably shoot. So, and then for like three months and each of those days would probably be like, four to 10 hours of shooting. So a lot. <laughs> That's a full-time a job and you're still it, it, you're it going really to school is. as well. It's, oh God. Yeah. Well, going to school is a strong word because <laughs> I What's was that? a, a senior. I was a senior in high school and, um, and it was online school because um, mm-hmm. coronavirus had hit. And um, it was one of those things where I couldn't really hang out with my usual crowd and you couldn't really go to parties like you would in your Mm -hmm. traditional senior year. So we're like, I'm going to get together with my close friends. We're just going to stay a tight little circle Mm -hmm. and we are going to knock out a film like we always wanted to. So, Hey, that's, that's sweet. That's actually, that's really (laughs) cool. Yeah, Yeah, no, that is pretty sweet. Sorry to be off topic, but I have, I wanted to ask you this, um, Mm -hmm. top three films of all time. Um, okay. That's a great question. You can Um, think about it. Okay. Okay. I appreciate it. I'll talk that through a little bit here with you. Cause frankly, mm-hmm. I have, you know, there's your guilty pleasures. There's like actual quality films. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, I'm going to have to go with perks of being a wallflower is, is definitely up there with one of my favorites of all time. I don't know if you've ever seen that film with Logan Lerman and Emma Watson. That's I don't think I have. Oh, you got to check it out, man. You I will. See that. Well, now after this, I asked you so I could actually check out some of the movies <laughs> that, so. Great, great. Um, another one's got to be, I mean, this is a classic, but The Godfather Part 1, holy, it's just so good. It's like, I it's don't a think little I've too seen good. It. I don't think it's I've seen it. Dude. Oh, gotta you got to get out there. And I know. It. I will. I will now after this. Yeah. yeah. Great, great. Um, another great, uh, sorry, this isn't technically a film, but this is one of my favorite. It's a mini series by HBO called band of brothers from 2001. Okay. Um, band of brothers is a fantastic piece. It's, it's a 10 part mini series, uh, I think produced by Steven Spielberg and Tom Hanks. Okay. Yeah. Um, but it, it's just a great piece and it's got some great acting and, and I love historical pieces like that. It's just so great. Yeah, no, that's sweet. And how about a director? Do you got a favorite director or do you have a couple? 
That's a great question too. Um, I used to be a big fan of Tarantino, <laughs> but as of recently, I've, I've kind of wisened up a little bit. I think that was a little naive of me. Yeah. He's just a little too genre-y for me, and he's just a bit—he's just a bit much. I think okay. I've come to respect. Um, Nolan's got some really creative writing, yeah. but I think his style is—it's very kind of like flashy and, and not flashy, but it's. It's very Hollywood, and I feel like I'm still looking for my favorite director. I think John Woo um, out of Hong Kong, he's a great action director. Um, he's made some incredible pieces, John Woo. Um, and then, I mean, you got to love Scorsese. Mm-hmm. Um, these are the classics. I'm dropping name dropping here. Like, I'm not very niche. I think you'd, you'd have to look for somebody else to, to find like a, a true enjoyer or you know cinema connoisseur but i'm just not that guy i get that i get that but if there was one that you would say that you kind of um take from or like try and follow your steps Mm -hmm. behind you do you know what i'm saying like you're kind of inspired by yeah would there be one that you that you think you connect Um, with i think okay to be honest i've gotten that question before like people be like well who's your favorite you know but Mm -hmm. frankly i think there's kind of a collection of films I'd rather say that sort of inspire me and I continue to draw on. And those are the films really from my youth. Like when I first started, you know, watching movies, you know, literally. Um, And one particular thing I always reference is is in the 2007 film Transformers with Shia LaBeouf (laughs) um, directed by Michael Bay. There's all these kind of this classic Michael Bay orbit shot that is so like, it's like this low angle revolving shot around a subject. And I'm always subconsciously like inclined to incorporate that into my films. Mm. And I'm wondering why. And I realized like that transform, like transformers, which I watched like 10 times a day as a little kid has a ton of those (laughs) shots in it. And I'm realizing now that's where my influences come from, you know? Right. Right. Embarrassing as it is, but yeah, it is. Hey, hey, no, I mean, it's working out like the stuff that I've seen from you. It it's amazing. So <laughs> if that's what it is that gets you, then hey, that's what it is. yeah. But going back to the actual um, filmmaking, I know this mm-hmm. is a big, big question. But could you like summarize the steps to making a film? Yeah, let's let's try it. Yeah. Um. So first thing I always do when I'm making a film is I get down with a friend, usually, uh, who I end up calling a co-producer, if you will. Um, and usually that friend is my guy, Peter. It's been in the past as my friend, Jack. It's, it can be anybody really. Uh, and I'll sit down and I'll just bounce ideas off of them. And maybe they bounce ideas back and we end up just writing a concept, if you will. Um, because that's important. A, a lot of people jump the gun, go right into writing a script, but I think that's right. what you do like dead last. You want to write a solid concept, right? You want to flesh it out as much as you physically can to the point where you have a sequence of events that you can read like a script. You know what I mean? Mm. You don't need it to be dialogue heavy yet. You just need to understand the beats of the movie, you know, how the movie plays out before you even talk about what people are saying. Um, And then that's when you really want to jump into writing a solid, solid script. But uh, another thing people I think get hung up on is when you write a script, you don't need it to be perfect. Honestly, what I've been told is that, or what I've, you know, learned from experience, if you will, is just write the script as quickly as possible so that you have it finished and then go back and perfect it. Because if you're trying to perfect it as you go, you'll never finish it. And then going into that, that's when you really got to sit down and be like, okay, who is going to be on this team? You know, who are we going to recruit for for this? Um, And you got to bring in, depending on the film, it could be, it could be different things, but you kind of want to start casting, obviously put out your feelers for who you want 
in the roles. Sometimes okay. I'll write a role for one person in specific, but more often than not, I try to write without anybody in mind. Um, mm-hmm. And then you got to pick out your your wardrobe folks and your and your production designers. Um, and then you want to take a look at who's going to be shooting it and what equipment they have and all that sort of stuff. And so you kind of got to balance your team. And as of recently, for this new project I'm working on, I'm actually serving as the producer and not the director for the first time, oh, wow. um, which has been very eye-opening for me because mm-hmm. I realized really what draws me to film is all the duties and responsibilities of the producer. Whereas mm-hmm. the director's job, I just, I mean, I'm a fan of being a director. I've always directed my work, but I don't know. It's just not as, I don't know. I just love being a producer, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I understand that. What's what's the difference between a producer and a director? Because I'm not, I, I understand what a director is, but a producer, right. like I, I, I've heard of it a lot, but I'm, I'm could you right. just explain it a little bit? Yeah, totally. Um, and coming to film school has really allowed me to understand the disparity and, you know, the difference between all these roles. And, and I didn't right. realize how many roles there were, but upon under, you know, like learning about this hierarchy, it, mm-hmm. it made me realize like, wow, this is efficient as hell. Why haven't I been using this system? You know, like God. Um, and so really how I see it and how I've been taught is that the director is the creative authority and the producer is the logistical authority, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Okay. I yeah. see. I and see. so all of these kind of tasks obviously need to be managed, like getting the people to set, getting them housed, getting them fed, making sure they're getting enough sleep and then booking their planes, you know, you know, getting them checked into hotels, uh, getting the locations, you know, authorized, getting our equipment purchased or rented or borrowed or whatever, getting everybody cast, all of that sort of stuff is all the producer and their team's duty, if that makes sense. And then once they're on the set, it's the, up to the director. So it's like the producer's job to get everything to the set and making sure the set is perfect for the di- for the director to be able to execute the story perfectly. I see. I see. If that makes sense. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. So that's a pretty big, that's a big role. That's. Yeah. That's, it's, it, it's kind of considered like when you're the producer, it's like your film, but mm-hmm. the director is the one who's like telling the story. So often it's interesting you see in, you know, in big productions or even in just like, media mm-hmm. you often the consumer often knows the director's name but usually the, the producer isn't really a well-known name and sometimes uh, that's okay because i don't i don't always like to be in the in the spotlight you know yeah no I, I get what you mean and yeah even like that even shows from right now like i, d- I barely even knew what a producer was um, <laughs> there you go, i didn't yeah. even know there was a producer in filmmaking actually i think i did but i <laughs> no you know so yeah but yeah that's definitely gotcha, like, though, yeah. that's definitely like the biggest one of the biggest roles in filmmaking yeah so how many how many of uh, how many people are there um during a film like in total could Uh, you give me a number because i know there's a lot but in 1716 or just in filmmaking in general i mean in 1716 would probably be your yeah your films (laughs) right so i'll 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 give you what i know um based on you know being in 1716 and, and leading it as of now um essentially uh right now the project we're working on is is it's pretty hefty it's probably one of the crew heaviest films i've ever worked on wherein Mm -hmm. i have i am myself right the producer i have a director um the director has what's called an ad team which is an assistant director team um and they manage the set they manage the crew and the extras and the actors um and then so that's about five people and then you go to your picture department your camera grip electric all that sort of stuff and you've got your dp director photography you've got your Two, I've got two camera operators, A and B. 
I've got um, a first and second AC, which are assistant cameras. I've got a key grip and a gaffer, plus a Best Boy Electric, Best Boy Grip, which are kind of like your lighting team and your steady cam operators and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we've got our art department, which is actually the biggest team. Um, and that is our production designer, uh, who's my best friend, Peter. And then we've got our art director, who's awesome. She's killing it. And she's basically leading a bunch of sub-departments, which is hair and makeup, wardrobe, design, and set decoration. Uh, and each of those sub-departments have probably about like three or four people in them doing various jobs. So I think in total, it's about 40 people. Wow. That's 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 a lot of people behind a film. That's hey, but I mean, yeah. it hey, it turns out amazing. So, yeah. How about equipment wise too, though? Like, obviously, there's a lot of equipment. Can you could you just like kind of explain yeah. a little bit? So, in the past, I used to shoot everything myself, um, and I was rocking a my very first camera was an I think a H or what was R four hundred R six hundred Canon Vixia HF camcorder um and it it was just this piddly little camcorder it had a great zoom on it but it couldn't it it couldn't change a lot of settings and it was it was kind of a cute thing but i shot so much on it like you know what i mean like i shot all i could and i had a um right exactly i had a camera mounted road shotgun mic that couldn't mount to the camcorder because there was no like rail um so i held it in my left hand while i shot in my right hand um, and that was sort of my wow. bread and butter for a few years, um, in middle school, if you will. And then I moved on to a Canon DSLR, um, T7i, which is amazing mm-hmm. piece. It mm-hmm. does not shoot 4k though. And so when I got into, I think it was probably my ju- sophomore junior year of high school. Um, I was like, Holy, my best friend. Well, I'm sorry. He's my best friend now at the time I had just met the guy, but I knew this dude who goes to a, a local private school. His name's Oliver. And, okay. um, he's just this great guy. Um, and I, it was a stranger to me at the time, but I knew he did drone photography. So I was like, dude, could you maybe come out and like help me do some special stuff for one of my new films? He said, sure, man. And he shows up and it just clicked. Like we just became really close and, and, and really good at working together, if that makes sense. And he, he was right. like, well, hold on, let me just help you do your principal photography. Um, as in like, you know, shooting the movie. <laughs> and so I was like, dude, I've never had a cinematographer, you know, somebody dedicated to shooting it for me, but that sounds awesome. And he yeah. came in with his Sony a seven on a, which is a, uh, I think a mirrorless body DSLR by Sony. Uh, it shoots 4k plus his Ronin S gimbal, which was the steadiest and smoothest thing ever. Wow. Um, plus, uh, he has this thing where he'll ride a hoverboard or a one wheel. Um, yes, and I while he's that. shooting with the gimbal, Yeah. And it is insanely smooth. It's almost like it's uncanny how good he is with that. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, that's, yeah. I mean the hoverboard, that's, that's pretty sweet. That's, that's one way to do it, I guess. eh? Yeah. Right. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like on set though, uh, Mm -hmm. is there, is there any other equipment like you need, uh, what other equipment is there on set? So, um, I'll run you down real quick. There's a 14 millimeter that, so go, going through lenses real quick, we've, okay. we've got a great variety of prime lenses. We only really work with prime lenses. That's one thing that I've kind of learned about Oliver is that he really enjoys using those. Um, we've got a 14 millimeter, we've got a 28 millimeter, 50, 55, 85. And then we sometimes break out a zoom, which is not a prime lens, but we usually stick to that range, which can get us some interesting looks. Um, and then additionally, uh, for audio, we usually have a dedicated sound recorder and boom operator. 
um, which I didn't really touch upon, but they have, we've got a, a decent shot. Uh, we've got a decent boom pole with a decent shotgun mic on the end. And then we've got a R, sorry, an H6 handheld recorder um, mm. by Zoom. Is that the brand? I don't know, but it's mm-hmm. a, it's got a four, it's got four channels. Uh, and so we can put in the boom. We can also run two sets of Shang lavalier mics, which are quality. I'm just kidding. They're not good. They're, they're pretty bad. Um, they're like off market, like they're terrible, but we, we got through them for water under the bridge. We yeah. kind of scrapped them since they actually were broken. Um, but yeah. they, you know, lavalier mics, you tape them to your actor's chest. You have it running through their shirt. You have it yeah. connected to a mic pack wirelessly. And then the handheld recorder, Somebody's just got to sit in the corner of the room with a pair of headphones on and just monitor audio levels like all day. <laughs> ah, wow. Yeah. No, that's yeah. sweet. That's pretty cool. So of all this, is it, it's got to be costly, right? Price has got to be high. How do, how do you deal with that? So that's an interesting question. I've gotten that a lot as well. Um, my buddy, Oliver, he's a great guy and a lot of, he kind of gets a bad rep because he's got some very nice equipment. Um, and, and a lot of people are just like, oh, you go to private school, you're just some rich, spoiled kid. Right. But what I've learned about him is that, and that's what I thought at first too, not going to lie. Um, <laughs> but what I've learned about him, and he's the one who provides all of our camera equipment, by the way, oh, um, or at least the, the vast majority of it. Um, he started off with basically what I had, which is just kind of this crummy little DSLR. And he started doing uh, videography work for clients locally in Charlottesville, Virginia. And he worked his way up to buying a 4K rig. And then he worked his way up from that. And he started charging like 50 bucks an hour for some of these clients. And and they would pay it because he's just that good. And he would make absolute bank. And it was incredible because he just, you know, one day he'd have this rig. And the next day he's like, well, I just dropped like three grand. That was insane. But I got the next rig. (laughs) It's like, how do you even? But he'd make all this money himself. I mean, sure, his parents would help here and there. But like he would literally make all this money himself and then just drop it on cameras. And that's all he did. He wouldn't go out to eat. He wouldn't go and buy whatever. He'd just drop it on cameras. It's insane. Um, That's funny. So Oliver's the plug. Oliver's the Oliver plug, is a hundred percent the plug, dude. Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's sweet. That's really cool. That's awesome that you've yeah. they've got someone that can actually actually help out. Yeah. Like that. And that's, that's, that's definitely a big role. It's right, totally. And it's it's people like that where you can be any, you know, you can be as creative as you want. You can be a super visionary Picasso, but at the end of the day, if you don't have the team and you don't have the people to make your film work or make your artwork or project work, mm-hmm. like you will be nothing. And you are nothing without your team. And so I feel like I have everything to owe to these guys for, for just being there for me and us being there for each other so that we can make you know our dreams come to life. Because I've always wanted to make cool looking films. Oliver mm-hmm. has always wanted to shoot cool looking stuff. So we just kind of came together and, you know. Yeah, it fits perfectly. Yeah, so really staying, staying on about that, um, everything that I've heard so far, you guys clearly know what you're doing. It's serious. It's what are the goals? Is there is there a big goal? Um, I'd say uh, big goal is to just, I think every, every person in 1716 can kind of answer that differently, but I'd say my big goal is to, um, is to just make something that is impactful. Mm-hmm. I feel like people say that a lot about making films, you know, I just want the audience to feel something. And I do like, I, I do, I, I want to be able to express myself through oh, totally. this medium, but, but I also want to just create something that is you know, just create something tangible that people can experience and, and, and understand and relate to and empathize with. And I think that's such a, 
incredible, powerful thing to do. And it, it's such a crazy feat whenever we can actually pull it off, you know, yeah. but it just, it just makes me feel really satisfied. And I, I don't physically think I can go on without making a film. You know, I just don't think I have it in me anymore to just not be making a film. That's true passion yeah. right there, if I've ever heard it. That's really, that's really amazing. That's very wholesome that it's all about. Yeah, that's amazing. I love that. Um, you have a new project this winter, eh? Yeah, we do. So are you guys, so since you guys just released Water Under the Bridge, how, how's the recording going for that? Like, are you guys recording now or? So yeah, let me walk you through that. Um, we just started pre-production. We wrapped up writing the script and we just started pre-production um, about a month or two ago, or maybe just a month and a half ago. And and that was around, you know, that kind of overlapped with Ed, uh last minute post-production for water under the bridge. Mm -hmm. So while we were scoring water under the bridge, um, which is like, you know, finding the soundtrack for it. Um, we were also starting to wrap up writing on what's called the Harpswell incident, which is our feature at this winter. Um, and which is what I have the big crew for. Um, and so pre-production has been just very hectic because Harpswell incident is a dystopian period piece. Uh, and so we need to basically design our world from the ground up. And that's why our art department is so hefty because they basically need to design full outfits, full sets, full everything for our characters and our spaces to look appropriate to this like fifties kind of like Fahrenheit 451 esque 1984 esque kind of like handmaid's tale esque world. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, it's definitely, it's, well, I mean, it's a lot, right? Like I, <laughs> yeah, it's, that's the thing that is. I just, it's so much and like the, the discipline and dedication towards it, like that's where you see like the true passion. And Thank I'm going to be honest, I haven't seen many young people who have really gone to it. I don't know about the big directors, if at a young <laughs> age they were the same, but that's what I'm seeing from you. Like you can, I mean, I'm younger than you, but I just know <laughs> that you are definitely going somewhere with this. But since since that. you are now, you're out of high school and stuff like that. Did you ever have any naysayers or quote unquote haters? <laughs> Dude. So any time I've ever made a film, I feel like I will always try to share it with, you know, my, my friends in high school. And I, yeah. I found now in retrospect that my friends in high school did not share the same interests as me at all. In fact, they'd just be like, what the hell are you doing wasting your time making like movies, you clown? Like it was just goofy. Like they just look at me and like, are you insane? Like, are you a nerd? Like Christ, it was awkward. Cause then I just would stop telling people, Hey, I'm making a film, you know, like that was what my life was all about at the time, but I just couldn't share it because I just felt like I'd be ridiculed because it just sounds ridiculous. Like people do not, for some reason, appreciate <laughs> when you are passionate yeah. about something like that, I guess. Um, I don't know. Um, online has been the most like tricky. It's There's a lot of people looking at your content. And for every right. you know, five people that are like, oh, cool, nice job, which feels great. I mean, it's it, at, at one point, it was almost kind of overwhelming how, like, I guess you could say validating it was to an extent. And, and right. a lot of people, I think, struggled with that at 17, 16, where it's like, Suddenly we were just being like all this praise was poured upon us and it felt a little overwhelming, but then started to come in like all the, again, like you said, naysayers. And there's a lot of people that just do not want, like they're just preying on your downfall, man. Like, yeah. swear to God, they're just, they want to, they're, they're out for you. It's on site, bro. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not ideal there. I don't know. I don't know how I deal with it still. I still struggle to deal with it is what I'm saying. Um, it's just like, you kind of have to separate yourself from it. Like, Hey, you obviously have some issues. If you're really on like a teenager's TikTok page posting like hate about their like 
passion project, then like, right. what are you doing with yourself? I have no yeah. real respect for what you're saying. Yeah. yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. Like, I think that at the end of the day, it's all like people's jealousy on that you're actually taking yeah. action and they're not, which is why right. I wouldn't get mad at any haters or in any sense, because I'm just yeah. like, I understand mm-hmm. where they're coming from, but you're just taking action on it. So it's, but yeah, I right. can definitely yeah. see why people would be jealous of, of what you're doing because it's, it's been, it's going great and it's going to keep going great. Thank but, you. And, and that's, sorry. I just want to say like, honestly, that's the thing is, is I think responding to hate comments with like an even almost like welcoming and accepting tone is, is, is kind of the best thing you can do because frankly, people will be like, uh, this is like, this is so lame. You're so bad at this. All this is mm-hmm. horrible. And you just like, well, you just respond with like, I'm sorry, like, you know, check it out though. And usually more often than not, they're like, okay, you know, and there's just sort of like, sorry, I don't know. It's weird. You you just, there's so many people that like, if you just give them the time of day, it's almost just like they're projecting their insecurities onto your, onto your page. And you just kind of have to like, you know, be their therapist for a second. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's a, that's actually a great way to put it. Have you you had to deal (laughs) with anything like, have you had to deal with like uh, responding to anyone who's had hate on you? Oh, dude, uh, most recently, one thing that really blew up was this guy who just, he spammed like all of our pieces on TikTok, like all of our content on TikTok. He was just spamming with like these messages that were like, when I try to buy, pre-order your miniseries, it took all this money from my account and you download all these viruses on my computer and like, now I'm suing, you're going to hear from my attorney soon. I was like, it's kind of extra and then i blocked him and he yeah. started commenting on all of the 1716 members like personal instagrams um like all over our pages he was just harassing the hell out of us dming us all this sort of stuff and he had like all these long-winded threats and finally it came down to this other account um which was like him posing as an attorney like dming us with all this like you know like legal information where he was trying to take us to court and for a split second we all kind of believed it because it looked pretty legit like it it was pretty well done and we were like well i like it's not really our fault that your money got stolen by the store that we're working through because frankly vimeo is super legit like it's not going to steal your money buddy and also we don't handle transactions that's all vimeo if you want to sue somebody sue vimeo um but at the end of the day, it just sort of sounded like he wanted some attention because frankly, that's what he was looking for and that's what he was getting. And so we just blocked him on all fronts and and it just stopped, you know, nothing happened. It's not like I'm getting sued, you know? I mean, like, come on, like you have to go out of your way to, oh, it's just, it's embarrassing. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It, yeah, it is embarrassing. It's yeah. like, dude, just get a life on me. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. I, that that uh, sucks that I haven't on my podcast, haven't had to deal with anything like that yet. I mean, obviously people, there's people who don't like the idea of it, um, but they haven't right. shared it with me, but Hey, that's what it is. Everyone's got different passions. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But before I end off this episode, um, I always end it with asking what's one piece of advice you'd have for a teenager. It can be about filmmaking. It can be about anything. Just what would be one piece of advice that you could give? Um, I'd say, okay. Yeah. Let me, let me think about that for a second. I, I might give you a long winded piece of advice here, but at at the end of the day, what I've sort of learned uh, from like a project perspective, you know, as as an artist and a filmmaker and and, and those things, you kind of have to learn how to work with people. If you're ever going to want to be a filmmaker, like a, a lot of times you will put your art over the people. But I think at the end of the day, they'll come hand in hand. If you just invest in your people and you treat your people well, and, and they will treat you well. And I think finding um, hard workers and, and 
they'll, they'll just sort of come to you. If you're doing what you love, if you're being passionate, then other passionate people will find you. I think people get hung up, like teen filmmakers especially, I speak to a lot on a very regular basis. And yeah. often the problem they're having is that they can't find anybody to be in their film, um, <laughs> which is okay. I just see it like, hey, man, like it's okay. Just wait it out because that'll happen. But you're going to find your people just – just have faith in the process and keep doing what you're doing and, and stay passionate about what you're doing. Don't give up because you're going to fail a thousand times before you succeed. And I know that sounds cheesy. I know that people say that all the time, like, you know, but it's true. I've it made like 10 movies that nobody ever wants to see. I don't even want to see until I made my first like watchable one. You know, mm-hmm. the first one people actually sat and said, wow, like that was actually kind of a movie, Loki, you know? <laughs> um, and so my, I guess my advice would be to just, be open to failing and be open to stumbling and be open to just struggling because you will have to, if you ever want to get anywhere and you will have to, if you ever want to meet anybody or, or be anybody, I guess. No, I, I actually completely agree with that statement. I think, I think failure is the only way to succeed. You know, if you don't yeah. fail, then you'll never succeed. So it's like, you kind of have to be open to that whole failure. Exactly. So that's a, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I know you're, I know you're busy and I know you're, you've got plenty of things going on. So I'm going to cut off the podcast here, but thank you so much for coming on. I really do appreciate it. I've learned so much. It's a, it's a great to have someone on like yourself and have so much potential. Like I, I can't wait. I seriously can't wait to see in a couple of years to see where you are and I'll make sure to keep in touch so we can, I can always thank talk you. about it. And I mean, I would love to have you on again uh, totally. in the future years or whatever to see mm-hmm. where you're at. Cause trust uh, it's going to be awesome. I can't wait. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate you having me on. And I'm so glad that I can, you know, help in any way. (laughs) Mm, Totally. All right. That's a wrap. If you haven't yet already, please, please make sure you hit that down button. It would mean the world to me. And make sure you go check out Luca and 1716 Digital. All their links will be in the description below. And as always, make sure you stay positive and have a beautiful day.